Hello, and welcome back to In Person, brought to you by Visibo. In case we haven't already met, I'm Rachel Rappaport, and in each episode of In Person, we explore the world's most daring events and the people who make them happen. Today, we're chatting with Sean Doyle, the experiential marketing lead at Pinterest Europe. You might have heard of them before. Pinterest is a social media platform, visual search engine, and go-to destination for inspiration. Sean is an experiential event marketer who has leveraged his passion for events to tell brand stories and amplify their messages. Sean has worked in multiple different creative capacities, and with a background in agencies, he's helped clients such as Slack, Facebook, PlayStation, and Jaguar successfully connect with their audiences through event marketing. Now, as the experiential marketing lead at Pinterest, based in London, Sean creates live events and experiential marketing campaigns that engage their global community of advertisers, creators, and consumers. He also wrote a chapter in the event professional's handbook called Work Hard, Play Hard, and Be Kind. And he's a mentor to up-and-coming event professionals in the UK through the Elevate Mentoring Program. In this episode, we dive behind the scenes into Pinterest Presents, one of their flagship experiences, and NitCon, Pinterest's annual internal event which fosters inspiration and creativity. We talk about the importance of accessibility and inclusivity in events and resources event planners can use to transform their events and reach a broader audience. Plus, we're discussing how Pinterest nurtures their community of creators to create a highly engaged audience. Let's get to it. Here's Sean Doyle and our host, Brandon Raffleson. Before we get into like that first formal question, there is something I wanted to chat with you about, Sean, and that is the fact that you contributed a chapter to the Event Professionals Handbook. That's right. I think, God, it must have been like four, five years ago now, but it was actually a colleague of mine at the time, a guy called Kevin Jackson, who'd spent a lot of years at Jack Morton and then GP Johnson. He'd come in to join our board at Clive, the agency I was at, and he had this idea to bring together a group of event professionals from agencies, brands, associations, venues, etc., to kind of create a collection of stories as such, all to go into this book, which is called the Event Professionals Handbook, which is aimed at kind of aspiring event professionals and really kind of giving them information and stories about like what they might need to be successful in the industry. So I contributed a chapter called Work Hard, Play Hard and Be Kind, which was at the time a phrase which was on this piece of art which was above my desk and I thought it really summed up the industry so yeah that was fun it's a book that was available as a kind of hard copy but also a kindle or audiobook as well that's so cool I had no idea when was it published I think it must have been four years ago maybe five yeah you could check it out on Amazon I think that's a good segue to our first question here which is you've been in the creative and events world for most of your career What initially sort of inspired you to pursue events? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Growing up, I can't say that I had even known much about the event industry or or thought about it as a career as such. But I always loved writing and storytelling and also building things. And I got super excited by design, too. So I guess I always thought I would kind of end up in some kind of creative role. But ultimately, I think I thought that might be the media I considered studying journalism. I thought about design, interior design, furniture design. But ultimately, I decided to take a year out before college or what I thought was going to be a year out, should I say. So it was at the age of 18 that I actually ended up landing this entry level sales role at a corporate hospitality company. And this business, they owned the rights to all of the boxes at the major stadiums and sporting events in the UK. And I was literally given a phone book, essentially. And the role was to 
find people to buy these packages to entertain their clients. And to be honest, it was a bit of a baptism of fire because <laughs> the playbook for success in this role was to like really, you know, talk up the sporting fixture and like build a relationship with your clients by talking about their favorite sport or their team. But I think it's fair to say that my knowledge of sports was very limited and I also <laughs> didn't have a huge interest in it either. But I did find some success because I actually found that I was able to get quite excited and also get other people excited about the idea of creating this kind of brand experience, these kind of special moments through these hospitality experiences for their clients. It was from there that I actually met the person who actually inspired me to pursue a career in events because the company had Aside from these kind of hospitality packages that they provided, they had won this other bespoke contract to produce some major events for a big tech company and an automotive brand. And as part of that project, they needed to build this large semi-permanent structure, as they called it, which I later learned was ultimately a kind of phrase for describing a very expensive marquee. But they brought in a event director from this top London agency to kind of produce the program and you know build out this new bespoke side of the business and this structure that they were building ultimately needed to hold 2000 people for a, a you know a very glamorous awards dinner it also needed to be versatile enough to do conferences and also host like a number of other kind of events throughout the week and i was quite excited by this opportunity so alongside my role in selling these hospitality packages i put my hand up to volunteer to kind of work on the production and you know I remember being really fascinated by everything I was learning during that process around production and you know even food and drink and entertainment and Vicky Hartley who was the person I mentioned she had just such an incredible vision and I really enjoyed learning from her and the on-site experience of the build was you know it was a great memory I remember it being extremely intense we all remember those kind of on-site days it wasn't that long ago very long days with multiple vendors coming in and out and what at time felt like hundreds of different event crew all over the place. But Vicky was kind of in her element, essentially, overseeing all of this. And it was a really well-oiled machine that, you know, I was completely in awe of. But ultimately, it was the opening night of this program where things really kind of clicked for me, just, you know, seeing the guests arrive who were the staff and the clients of this brand who were hosting the event and, you know, just kind of seeing their face when they realized that this world had been built for them, right? This whole experience had been put on for them. And, you know, that was just a really special moment. And actually, I still love that about creating experiences is kind of seeing that moment when all of your work is unveiled to the world and the world being your guests. It sounds like quite a journey from initially taking on this sales role and just kind of trial by fire being thrown at it having to sell boxes and tickets for sports. And it was a subject area that you weren't as familiar with, but this opportunity opened up for you to like really being involved in curating and designing this experience. Sounds like you had a great leader guiding you throughout the process. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes you just need to put yourself out there and put your hands up to try new things. And it certainly worked out for me. I was really inspired by the work that Vicky was doing. And, you know, I haven't looked back, kind of built a career in this industry and really love what I do. You spent over 15 years at experiential agencies before you eventually ended up at Pinterest. So how did that sort of experience designing this 2,000-person event then sort of set you up on a trajectory to work with agencies? And what was that like, designing all of these sorts of experiences for a living? For 
experience of that event was amazing but ultimately the company did decide to kind of really remain their focus on this more kind of packaged hospitality thing that they had been doing for years so i had realized i had a passion for this more kind of creative and bespoke side of events so i did my research and quickly realized that agency life would be a great way for me to be able to kind of learn the ropes and work my way up and i remember reading you know, lots of stories about all of the amazing venues and productions and experiences that were happening in London. And also I could get a glimpse a little bit of what agency culture was like. And it sounded like such a kind of fun and vibrant and creative world. So ultimately, I decided to move to London and pursue that. And I landed a role which was a kind of hybrid of operations and account management at this super small agency called Silverleaf Productions. And I was employee number four. (laughs) So as you can imagine, in like a small business, you end up really getting involved in everything. And it was super fast paced. I think I spoke to my first client on day two. And then with the help of my colleague, we actually met this client face-to-face to to view venues on day four. And by the end of the following week, we had already confirmed this event, which was an annual kind of client entertainment event for Morgan Stanley. And it took place at this really beautiful historic venue called the Painted Hall, which is part of the old Royal Naval College in Greenwich. And it is just one of the most beautiful places. I think it's known as Britain's answer to the Sistine Chapel. And I always recommend people go to view it when they come to London. It's a great day out and Greenwich itself is also beautiful. I remember distinctly thinking to myself that if I was going to be successful in this industry, I needed to really prove that I was going to be of value to my clients and they were ultimately the experts in their own businesses and their brands. But I could become an expert in all of the things they didn't know. So from there on, I didn't really look back. I was out at industry events probably four nights a week every week, I think, for, you know, multiple years, the first few years of my career, for sure, I was meeting everyone I could and trying to get to know everything about the industry, like know every single venue, who were the great vendors and really have my finger on the pulse of the industry. And to be honest, I had a great time doing that, of course, and I met some amazing people. But ultimately, it did serve me really well, because I was able to develop some great clients and do some really cool things. But the agency remained relatively small and I was hungry to continue to learn and do bigger productions and I also wanted to get a bit of international experience too so that's when I moved on to my next agency which is the place where I'd spent the last 11 years before coming to Pinterest and funny enough it was after being approached by their agency boss at the time someone called Vicky Hartley who you might remember me mentioning a moment ago so I started there as an account manager and I went on to run all of creative services We rebranded the agency twice. I launched new divisions and new offices. And in the end, I was on the board and I oversaw a team of around 50, which were kind of inside the agency and also embedded within our clients internationally as well. And you asked how I would describe it. And I guess there's just like so many (laughs) terms. Like It was intense, fun, eye-opening, exhausting at times, but like ultimately so, so rewarding. It was all of those things and so much more. I think I learned so much and I got to experience so much. I got to work with incredibly talented people from colleagues to clients. I got to work on everything from car launches to fashion shows to international incentive programs and experiential stunts. And I literally got to travel the world to do what I love, 
We produce events in over 35 countries. We launched products. We engaged clients, motivated workforces. And ultimately, I got to learn how to use events and experiential as a marketing tactic to really have a great effect on the bottom line for a business. Ultimately, I just have so many great memories from agency life. And I think it's an incredible way for anyone looking to get into the industry to kind of cut their teeth. It definitely sounds like quite a roller coaster from your first week at Silverleaf to working with Clive afterwards. For sure. It was a journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a ton of experience working on all sorts of different types of events. How would you say that this experience working on the agency side prepared you for the work that you've been doing at Pinterest? And what are some of those, I guess, key learnings or takeaways that you were bringing with you to Pinterest? Like I said, I think working in an agency, you just get the opportunity to cover such a breadth of experience. And often, I think when you work for one particular business, you're focused on a core audience. So maybe it's external customers. But even if you drill down further, that might be B2B or specifically B2C. And even if you do touch both of those audiences, you're probably not dealing with your kind of internal audience as well. I love the fact that I've been able to work across all of those audiences, plus so many different industries. And I can take different learnings from each of those when I bring the Pinterest brands to life, whether that's on stage or, you know, IRL or now virtually. I think the other thing I'd say is I learned the importance of investing the time to bring your vendors in, really bring them in, in particular your agency. So briefing them properly, onboarding them, immersing them in your team and your culture. I think we often hear from people that, you know, a good agency is an extension of your team. And that's true, but I really believe that you have to invest the time in those relationships. And once you do, then that's when the results really pay off. So everything from building a team to thinking about different ways of engaging different audiences, I think it all kind of comes to a head when we, we talk about this uh, recent flagship event that was produced by the Pinterest team, Pinterest Presents. This was a global virtual summit for advertisers really a huge, big foray into the world of virtual and broadening the audience of Pinterest. Can you walk us through, like, what was that process like for first deciding on the event and then planning such a large-scale virtual event? As you know, uh, Pinterest Presents took place just recently in March, and it was our first ever global advertiser summit. And we were promising a glimpse into the future from the place where people go to plan their futures, right? So we decided to host the event because engagement on Pinterest has been at an all-time high with searches and saves up 60% and 40% respectively last year. This, along with the growing reputation as a place for people to come and discover new products and to shop meant that there was a lot of appetite from advertisers who were keen to understand more about the opportunity for them on Pinterest. So we decided to create a moment that brought together our latest audience insights, exciting ad product news and shopping announcements with latest customer success stories and outside thought leadership too. We really wanted to kind of wrap this up in an entertaining and an inspiring way that immersed our business audiences in our vision for the future of advertising. So our goal was to create something that was global in scale, but 
really local in flavor. In total, we broadcast eight versions of the show in three languages, wow. with each show being made up of, yeah, it was <laughs> it was part sprint, part marathon, I think that's fair to say. 60% of the content in each show was local thought leadership, and then that was coupled with 40% of global content, which included, you know, messages from our leadership and also some very exciting celebrities. We kicked off in Australia and New Zealand and then moved across to Europe and finally wrapped the day in the US. US and Canada 18 hours later. So it was a full on day, that's for <laughs> sure. But the digital nature of the event really enabled us to kind of open up this event to a much wider audience. And we had over 30,000 advertisers registered to attend. When else could we get our CEO and founder to be able to individually address customers in seven different countries or have our CMO speak in three different languages to our audience in one day? That is the power of virtual events there right in front of you. No, that's a huge undertaking. And this combination of both local and global content, it sounds like you had some of that core content that was being distributed in different time zones, but then you were also finding ways to create content that was relevant for a specific time zone for an audience there? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the whole event was positioned and targeted for our kind of like top priority monetized markets. And, you know, a big part of what we wanted to do was to make sure that customers in those markets understood that Pinterest was relevant to them. So it was important for us to talk to them about like our local insights around their audience and also bring in local thought leadership, whether that's customers or people from culture or the industry as well to kind of help us tell that story. Wow. And this was packaged primarily in just uh, one stream that was opened up to different audiences at different times? That's right. Well, it was actually six different streams or eight different streams, should I say, because you could join the non-English speaking versions in either native language or also in English as well. One question that pops up is there's a sea of different virtual events out there right now. How did you and your team differentiate the Pinterest Presents experience to kind of stand out from it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question as well. I think, like you say, there is totally a sea of these events that we could all be at for most of our days, right? And we decided when we were creating this experience that ultimately our viewers were probably going to be like us, right? They're probably suffering from screen fatigue in some way. And we wanted to make sure that we were working extra hard to make sure that we got their attention. And with that in mind, you know, we set out to create an experience that felt much more like a kind of highly produced TV show rather than a traditional event that had happened to go digital. In fact, we actually banned the word webinar from our planning very early on so that we could make sure that our whole team and our agency were very much aligned with the creative vision for the show, as we were calling it. And, you know, we then went on to use storytelling and animation and brought in some really exciting talent to craft our message. And the other great thing about, you know, creating it in this style was that we were able to produce a series of trailers for the event, right? So we were able to release these mini clips in a kind of cliffhanger style, which was really fun and got people excited and intrigued to tune in on the day. You already uh, mentioned how they're not only speaking to different regions, but also bringing in different languages and, and really opening up the accessibility of the event to the audience in a number of different ways. I know this was generally an underlying theme for Pinterest Presents was accessibility and inclusivity. What were some other ways that this was front and center? For Pinterest, you know, we've often been described as one of the last positive corners of the internet. And it's not something that happens by accident, keeping a platform with over 475 million people coming to it every month as an inclusive and positive place. 
It takes hard work and deliberate action, but it's also super important for our users who come to be inspired. And often, quite frankly, they need a break from the demands of filtered social feeds. And it makes a great space for our advertisers, too, who are increasingly aware of the effect of the environment in which they show up for their brands. So we've been building inclusive product features into the Pinterest experience for a number of years. We want to ensure that when users come to Pinterest, they can see ideas that represent them. And we want that same approach to come across in our brand experiences and our events too. So whenever we show up on a stage, whether that's participating in an industry event or, you know, hosting our own moment like Pinterest Presents, it's really important that we're creating an experience that's inclusive and accessible for as many people as possible. So we set out to ensure that our lineup of speakers and guests is, of course, as diverse as the audiences that we serve. And we had a real focus on accessibility with this being a digital event. So we partnered with Sinead Burke, who is a disability activist and founder of Tilting the Lens. She was one of our keynote speakers, and she spoke to marketers about the importance of designing their products and their services to be more inclusive for everyone with a focus on accessibility and, you know, just going beyond just representation in ad campaigns. And then during that relationship, we also started to work with her to consult on the event and the content to make sure that we were making Pinterest presents as accessible as possible. So we started with providing an accessibility prompt during registration, asking if attendees had any kind of specific accessibility accommodations. And we used accessibility color palette in our design to make sure that everyone could have the same experience throughout our creative. And then we used human generated captions across all content of which there were 127 sessions. And we embedded local sign language interpretation across as much of the content as possible. And then beyond the event, we also partnered with Sinead to create a dedicated accessibility board on Pinterest, which was made available to marketers in the UK, Canada, and the US, which was a kind of co-created board of resources and content where marketers could learn more about accessibility and diversity and being inspired to bring some of that to their own work. That's great to hear. I mean, it's a topic that we recently covered on one of the virtual events we held, diversity and inclusivity, especially the new opportunities that emerge in the virtual and hybrid space. And I remember some of the conversation from our audience at the time as they were looking for other resources that they could leverage to help guide the design of the events that they're producing. It seems like a couple of great examples here of bringing in a third-party consultant, of consulting with DICE or some sort of governing organization that can provide guidance or a recommendation of how a current event is set up. These both seem like two valuable options. Yeah, 100%. And I definitely, you know, put my hands up. I was no expert in this before we started doing it ourselves. We learned a lot along the way. And it's really important to bring in outside expertise. You mentioned DICE. We were proud to receive 100% recommendation from DICE. And for those people listening that don't know what DICE is, it's the Charter for Diversity and Inclusion at Conferences and Events. And the feedback that we had you know, from that accreditation and the accessibility work that we did has been incredible. So during the day or the long day, um, social media was like really alight with praise from people who some of them told us this for the first time they had ever really been seen or felt included at an event. We even had people telling us that they were in tears watching. And we had so much feedback from clients telling us that they were really starting to think about accessibility in their own brands off of the back of Pinterest Presents, which is a great result, of course, to have been able to inspire other people to think about this too. One point that Sinead made during the planning was 
we were talking about sign language inclusion and she mentioned that when she brings this up or suggests this to companies, she's often met with this kind of message of, uh, okay, we don't have any deaf people in our audience, not sure we need to do that. And her response was, well, of course you don't, but you never will if you don't start to make accommodations for them. And I thought that was really powerful, especially as digital events are really allowing us all to kind of open up our events to wider audiences and people that we don't have relationships with yet. That's a really great point of sometimes as organizers, we kind of need to take that first step to like make that change, make it more of a norm. Sometimes our audience will ask us for these things, but other times we need to kind of go out on a limb and provide it. Yeah. And, you know, who doesn't want to be a leader in these things? Definitely. So, I mean, we're talking about virtual events largely, but I know that virtual and even in person is going to pretty dramatically shift as we kind of go towards this more hybrid future where virtual and in-person is meaningfully integrated. How do you anticipate this shift to hybrid will impact accessibility for attendees? And are there any specific events that Pinterest is planning down the pipe with hybrid in mind? I think it's really interesting. Like most people in the industry, our team is super excited to be able to get back to bringing some kind of IRL moment to our events, that's for sure. Because although we are a digital platform, so much of Pinterest is about inspiring people to actually get offline and try something new in their lives, kind of like surprising yourself with new possibilities of what you could do or be. And events and experiential provide a really unique opportunity for us to be able to bring discovery and the art of trying to life. That said, you know, the growth of digital obviously allows us to open up our audience to a whole new group of people who, for many reasons, maybe they can't necessarily travel or be there in person. But I think when it comes to hybrid, we can't just rely on this digital, this virtual element being the answer to accessibility. I think we really need to make sure the experiences that we create and, you know, that comes down to the venues that we choose, the way that we design our spaces and the production, the things that we build, we need to make sure that they continue to be as accessible as possible as well. Otherwise, we're not really being fully inclusive. We're actually just providing a different option for people rather than actually including them. That said, you know, using what we've learned from digital, that's certainly going to mean that we can include a greater number of and diversity of speakers and guests, which ultimately is going to be great for everyone. And I think it's going to be really interesting, you know, how do we bring those virtual participants into an event to make sure that they feel truly included rather than these kind of passive viewers watching from afar? And I guess that's an opportunity for us all to get creative. It's quite exciting. Yeah, that's definitely the challenge of how do you just not tack on a streaming experience, but actually make those people who are watching from home or from their office or wherever they are feel like they can participate, they can connect with other people there. It's a TBD. (laughs) It is. But, you know... I've heard some great ideas being thrown around, including some of your guests on your podcast. So I'm definitely excited for Pinterest to rise to that challenge. We just spoke a lot about Pinterest Presents and the ways that it took a very inclusive and accessible approach to addressing an audience of 30,000 plus advertisers. Let's talk about another community that Pinterest serves, and this is the community of creators. When you think about this audience of creators, this creator community, how does engagement factor into it? And what sort of levers are you and your team pulling to bring that community together? The creator audience is such an exciting one to work with because ultimately at the heart of it, these people are the ones behind all of the great ideas that you discover on Pinterest. And because we've been developing the platform and launching new tools that mean that 
pinners, our users, are increasingly coming to Pinterest to find inspiring people. So our creator audience is really growing and a Pinterest creator is very much a special kind of creator because they're really focused on inspiring others and helping their followers to try new things. But because the creator ecosystem on Pinterest is so new, they're hungry to learn from each other and understand what works here versus on other platforms. So community, like you mentioned, is super important for our creators. And we run a whole creator community forum, which is part of our business site where people can create a profile, ask questions on the board, meet each other and really just learn from each other. But of course, our events play a big part of that too. And the discussion at our creator events is always very active in the chat with people sharing tips and following each other and connecting. It's not simply about listening to everything that we have to say. What sort of events are created to bring these creators together to help facilitate the exchange of ideas between them and to also share kind of what's going on behind the curtain over at Pinterest? First of all, we take part in a number of kind of key industry events, but we do also host our own events as well, such as the Pinterest Creators Festival, which was a really exciting project that we launched last year. Plus, we run regular workshops for them. And these kind of like they're a combination of inspiring thought leadership, but also practical how to sessions where these creators can come and learn from each other and grow their skills. But as I mentioned, we find that They really love to learn from each other. So it's not always about us showing them what to do or how to succeed, but instead showcasing, you know, up and coming Pinterest creators or very successful Pinterest creators. And they will often host these workshops and these talks alongside us. And we've also had some success recently with after show kind of networking events, too. So I think a lot of us people miss that chance to chat about the day and, you know, meet other people. So we started to experiment with having creators host post event discussions on Clubhouse which has been really well received by the audience. And it's definitely something that we're going to experiment more with. I love that approach so much of not only creating experiences as Pinterest and hosting these experiences as Pinterest, but also collaborating with your creator community to then go and host these events, these conversations themselves. I think, you know, we have an important role in helping these creators um, build their own community and, and find their people. It makes me think about in other industries or spaces, how organizers might be able to tap into thought leaders in that space, influencers in that space to kind of be advocates of their community. Yeah, I think it's just kind of the way the world's going, isn't it, right? Like people just love the authenticity of hearing from real people. From your perspective, Sean, what's one takeaway or piece of advice you'd give to other organizers out there who are looking to engage their community in a similar way that Pinterest is? It's fair to say people probably get a bit nervous around how to build community in these virtual events, like how is online commentary or discussion going to go, especially when it's happening as part of a visible or public event as such. And I actually think that nervousness is understandable because we all know that non-moderated online conversations with people hiding behind usernames and profiles, they have the potential to turn negative and actually even toxic in some cases. And No doubt, though, that, you know, allowing for a kind of two-way conversation with your audience and amongst your audience, with them to be able to talk to each other, it's going to foster engagement and community. But there are ways for you to encourage conversation and, you know, to keep things healthy and positive. And that's definitely something that we've had to think about at Pinterest. So, for example, we recently launched our Creator Code, which is a set of guidelines that we ask creators to adhere to and sign up for before they publish content on our platform. 
ultimately ensuring that you know Pinterest remains a positive and inspiring place. And that code includes a few basic principles about being kind, checking facts, being aware of triggers, practicing inclusion in the content that you share, and ultimately not to harm, right? And we use the principles from the creator code to publish our own code of conduct for events as well. So that's the kind of information we make available to attendees when they want to sign up to our events or take part in a discussion. So I'd say if it feels right for your audience, be brave enough to allow them to participate in the event and in the conversation rather than just being passive viewers. But I think it does go back to what I mentioned before about that deliberate action that a brand or a platform could take to really set the tone for the kind of community that they want to build. Let's pivot over to uh, internal events. There's a lot of discussion on this show in particular about external events and creating events to engage prospects and customers. But internal events have always been important. And especially I feel during this past year and a half or so when employees have found themselves distributed in some cases across the globe. And it's been a little bit harder to keep in touch and keep that company culture alive. So our entree to this conversation is going to be about your own special relation to the culture at Pinterest and a flagship internal event there. Starting with how were you introduced first to Pinterest and what stood out to you and drew you in in terms of the culture? Yeah, well, I love this segue. Thank you. First of all, I think it's fair to say that I was a pinner myself anyway since the early days. I think I've been creating boards on Pinterest for over 10 years. I've used it in my personal life to renovate my house. I'm actually going through that again now. And, you know, I've used it to discover fashion and find things to cook, etc. And I'm sure I don't need to tell your listeners that Pinterest can also be the creative event planner's best friend, <laughs> right? I'm sure we've all created many boards for pitches that we're working on or collaborated ideas on Pinterest boards. But it's also a great way to collaborate with your clients as well. I used to use it to kind of uncover like new ways of doing things at an event to really bring a brand to life. So anyway, as you could probably tell, I was already a big fan of Pinterest. But interestingly, when I decided to leave my last role, I was ready for a new challenge and I didn't really know what that was. I wanted to take some time out. I knew that I was looking for an adventure. So I decided to take six months out and go traveling. And honestly, I was not expecting to have to think about work for quite some time. But <laughs> funnily enough, one of the last briefs that came into the agency, probably the last client that I actually met, it was, would you believe it, Pinterest. <laughs> it came, this brief, from their internal comms team. And they were looking to create this EMEA-wide version of their flagship employee event, which is called Nikon. And during that process of working on that proposal, I really learned a lot about the culture and I really loved the ambition in this brief so much. So it kind of like excited me in a way that I hadn't really felt for quite some time. Anyway, long story, we did the pitch and we won it, which is great, but I had actually left before the event happened and I was away traveling. And I do remember thinking to myself, you know, what am I going to do with my next move? And I do remember referring back to the Pinterest culture and thinking to myself, well, somewhere with a culture like that is something I could probably get quite excited by. And lo and behold, when I got back, I saw that Pinterest were advertising to grow out their marketing team in Europe. And Obviously, I jumped at the chance to apply for the experiential role and the rest is history. Wow. It seems almost like Providence, that chance encounter with the Pinterest team and really getting such a great sense of the culture and the values of the company. So you mentioned right there NITCON. Could you share a little bit more about what exactly NITCON is and sort of the purpose of this employee event? Yes, I definitely can. And the timing is good because the event is taking place next week and we are all very, very excited. So NITCON is 
Pinterest's largest and most important employee event of the year. That's like more than two and a half thousand people. That's everyone at Pinterest. You know, we stopped working for two full days to celebrate inspiration, creativity, and have hands-on learning moments where we learn from each other. And I guess the best way to describe it is like an in real life version of what Pinterest would be. And, you know, for us as the inspiration company, we need to be inspired too, right? And this event is a key reminder for all of us, you know, of the inspiration that our platform provides for so many of our pinners every day. I guess I would describe it as a different kind of company event. It involves Pinterest employees gathering together to inspire each other with classes and examples like building a mechanical keyboard or practicing jiu-jitsu or even crafting cocktail bitters. And the goal ultimately is for employees to leave these classes with a bit more knowledge on a certain topic and, you know, have the opportunity for them to kind of more deeply connect with our company mission, which is to bring everyone the inspiration to create a life they love. So this year, emotional well-being is going to be at the heart of a lot of the talks at NITCON. But we're also hearing from external speakers, too. So there's experts in some of the topics that really represent what the world has been through over the last 12 months and what's coming up over the next year. So things like healthcare in the wake of the pandemic. We'll be hearing about the future of work, inclusion and diversity in the workplace with speakers representing LGBTQA plus equality, racial injustice, as well as the Time's Up movement. And, you know, plenty of exciting guests from recent popular culture, too. I'm very excited. <laughs> it definitely sounds like there are going to be some great speakers there. And all those topics seem extremely timely. I love that approach of like really bringing Pinterest IRL, what that would look like. And definitely seems like quite an experience. You mentioned that it's going to be happening in a week. So this is where it kind of gets funky in terms of time and publishing schedule. We're recording this right now at the end of April. Nikon is going to be going live in the beginning of May. This episode itself will be published later in May. With all that in mind, it's going to be a little funky listening to this afterwards, but this is going to be the first virtual Nikon ever. How are you looking to really bring that Pinterest community to life? through this virtual medium for the first time, in addition to those speakers and all those topics you mentioned? First of all, I should say that Nikon is run by our incredible internal comms team. They've tried various different formats of bringing everyone together. And this year, of course, they are going totally virtual. So this is the sixth year and classes are going to be taught online by 85 employees and creators across multiple time zones around the world. And it's actually, as you know, taking place next week, which like you say, means that it will have happened by the time this <laughs> broadcast goes out. But hopefully, uh, you know, if listeners want to check it out, then they should check out the Life at Pinterest social channels. Maybe there'll be some interesting pictures of how it went down. But the team have put together four virtual events, essentially, across APAC, European, US, East Coast and West Coast time zones to make sure that we are being globally inclusive and Everyone is being shipped their own branded Nikon box, which is full of useful items, plus some delicious treats from Pin Cuisine, because, you know, who doesn't miss all of the amazing food and drink that we used to get in the office? And ultimately, I'm sure food is just still such an important part of an event, right? So we've also been given a budget to get supplies for whatever classes we want to decide to attend during the event. And it's very much this kind of choose your own adventure type of thing. And I'm personally, having looked at the agenda, very excited for painting with wine and also <laughs> intrigued. Yeah, I know, right? And then also I'm quite intrigued by dancing with robots or dance like a robot. Called, <laughs> which, um, 
Yeah, I think that might be one of the sessions where I decide to have my camera off, yeah, unless, of course, it comes after the painting with wine. And then we'll see. <laughs> Alongside those classes, I mentioned speakers. So there are, I think, almost 60 inspirational sessions to choose from. And we have people like Chef David Chang and the actress Dominique Jackson, who stars in Pose, which is if you haven't seen it, one of my ultimate lockdown Netflix binges, definitely <laughs> recommend it. Um, and we also have the founder of Black Lives Matter Canada and also a real CIA agent who is going to come in and talk to us about misinformation. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be difficult to decide which stage to attend when, but we can't wait. I'm hearing this right now. I'm not an employee of Pinterest, but man, I want to attend this. This sounds like a ton of fun. I mentioned earlier how it, it can be especially important for internal events to bring different team members together who might be distributed in different ways. But why do you think in 2021, more so than ever before, internal events are so valuable? I've always said this, I think, from my agency days as well, but I've just always really believed in the importance of a business investing time in their employees with events and experiences like this. So Having an engaged and motivated workforce can obviously be a key differentiator for a business and could really also contribute to the attraction and retention of top talent too. So I think, like you mentioned, now more than ever, it's important for a business to make time for their people to invest in themselves, give them the time to invest in themselves. And the fact that we're all being given two days away from work to be inspired and you know spend time on ourselves and connect with others that's super valuable and as an employee it's very motivating if you think about pinterest like we have more than two and a half thousand people now around the world so from the us to the uk japan brazil australia and beyond and as you can imagine like over the last year we've had plenty of new people start who have never met a teammate and maybe they've never experienced a pinterest office so moments like nikon even though they're remote they allow us to be intentional about building inspiration and connectivity into our culture, like just as we do into our product. And I always say it's, you know, it's really about your mission and values being something that you live and breathe, not just the words on a canteen wall in an office, in an office that you don't even go to right now. So I think company culture is just one of those things that can set a business apart from its competition and events. They make that culture tangible. Just a few more questions for you before we wrap up this interview. Who's someone you look up to in events, marketing, or business in general? I have been lucky enough to work with some pretty awesome leaders, both you know in the past and also present. But I think I have to choose someone who's inspiring me right now. And I think about someone called Amy Keane, who is actually the co-founder of Dice, the organization I mentioned earlier. So I first became aware of her work when I noticed that Amy was shining a light on the kind of lack of diversity and inclusion at some of the industry events, right? So she coined this great phrase, manals, which, you know, is all male panels at these industry events. And I then obviously connected with her during our accreditation process for Pinterest Presents. And I discovered that she also runs this program where she helps people from non-traditional backgrounds to kind of find their voice. And she tries to get people to celebrate their imperfections rather than be focused so much on trying to fit into this kind of mold where everyone needs to be the same. And I just really love how she champions authenticity and diversity. And I think our industry stages, they're becoming a lot more interesting because of the work that her and her team do. That's huge. Yeah, I had no idea that Amy Keene was behind driving that change and, of course, is a co-founder of DICE, which we mentioned as a great resource for organizers looking to think about their events a little bit more deliberately when it comes to accessibility and inclusivity. 
tons of great resources there as well for you know people looking to kind of be inspired about how to make changes in their event programs. Check out Dice. <laughs> if you could give an earlier version of yourself one piece of advice, what would it be and why? I actually don't think there's much I would change, to be honest. But if I had to give myself some advice, I guess I'd just remind myself to put myself out there and continue to try new things. Because even if sometimes it's easier not to, you just never know how you might surprise yourself or what you might discover. Words to live by. And it sounds like you definitely have put yourself out there in the past, making the leap at 18 years of age into the world of events or experiences. How can our listeners keep up with Pinterest and all the great work that you are doing? Sure, yeah. So I would say check out business.pinterest.com. From there, you can look into the kind of advertiser section, or if you're more of a creator audience, you can explore that section. And both have newsletters that you can sign up to. So we'll be hosting numerous events across the rest of this year for both audiences. And I guess the newsletter is the best place to make sure you hear about those and receive those invitations that you can sign up to. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sean. It's been a real pleasure getting to chat with you, to hear about your experience in the agency side, bringing it all the way home through Pinterest and beyond. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Sean for joining us and thank you all for listening. If you enjoy listening to In Person, there are several ways you can show your support. Subscribe, rate, leave us a review and share the show with your colleagues and friends. If you'd like to share your feedback, please drop us a line at in-person That's in-person You can also find full transcripts of the show along with key takeaways at inpersonpodcast.com. In Person is a production of Visibo. Today's episode was hosted by Brandon Raffleson, co-produced by Brandon and myself, and edited by Brian Paik. Music by Ian O'Hara. Until next time, I'm Rachel Rappaport. Thanks for tuning in.